0: Most of the time, we're trying to impress the people that we were meant to impact.
1: Always fear the quietest man in the room.
0: Remember the people who
1: sacrifice to make your journey possible. Inspiration is something
2: that you do that keeps you hungry. The biggest failure is to succeed in a life that's not you. Welcome back to another powerful episode of the Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony, and every episode, we bring you a dose of inspiration, wisdom, and compelling stories that are sure to take your mindset to the next level. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Let's get it. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Mindset Podcast. Today, we are joined by a special guest, Councilman. Carlos Alvarez. Well, Carlos, you wear a lot of different hats. You're a principal. You've been on the board of education for the state of Florida. You're a councilman and, and you sit on different boards. So you have a lot of different hats. Nonetheless, we're excited to have you. We've been eyeing you for a long time. We've been talking, Gabe and I. We got to have Carlos on. We got to have him on. Uh, but you, you have a busy schedule. But we, we thank you for spending this morning with us. Um, before we get started and, and you tell us a little bit about what you do and your story, because you have a very unique story. Uh, we have to run you through our warm up round of questions, which happens sometimes to be the best part of of what we do <laughs> so these are two questions that we've never asked before super interested to find out your answer to these and the first one Carlos is if you can be guaranteed one thing in life and only one thing cannot be money, what would it be?
0: If I can guaranteed if I can guarantee one thing in life um so the question is if I can guarantee something, right?
2: Yeah. Or, if you can have anything you want in, in life, guaranteed, you name it, you have it, but it can't be money. What would it be?
0: To be able to, to have the ability and the flexibility to open up, um, different charter schools with the same pathways that we offer here in Hialeah, uh, across the country. Right. I think, uh, I think there's a story to be said about that, it, I'm a product of Hialeah, born and raised. And I saw the challenges when I was in high school that I wasn't uh, a college bound necessarily student. I wasn't a student that was involved in advanced placement courses and I wasn't involved in dual enrollment. And And my story is kind of what really motiv- motivated me and inspired me to kind of work on this charter school concept where there's a pathway for students to be career ready and college ready, right? So you want to offer both things. Um, I graduated from high school. I spent three years in Miami-Dade. I was completely lost, did not know what to do, did not know what to major, um, didn't have direction, right? And, and again, like I said, that's what motivated me to come up with with other leaders from this community on this concept where students process uh, in their entry here in our in our campus, these different pathways, these different career pathways. So then when they graduate from high school, not only do they get a high school diploma, but they get an industry certification in that area. We have specialized tracks in firefighting and law enforcement and law and mass communication. Kids are learning how to uh, edit on Adobe Premiere, uh, edit on Adobe Photoshop, Illustrator. doing an internship with Telemundo Academy. So if I, if I can have anything, it would be that flexibility and the ease, right? Because opening up a charter school um, it's not easy, right? Um, certain states see you as a threat to their local school district because you take their dollars, you know, those kids travel with with a dollar sign because you're state funded and they see it like, you know, we're kind of a demise to the the school district and we see it like you know kids should be able to go to a school that their parents feel that is the right fit for them your school shouldn't be based on your zip code right it should be based on what's the right place for you what's the right programming right so i think uh if i can have anything in that li- in my life would be that right just that autonomy of maybe not going through all the hardships um that we've seen firsthand um and being able to offer like right offer like programs like this specific to kids in different communities across the country and we've been able to do that anthony right i hope we opened up a school in colorado uh last school year and we opened up a school in vegas last school year um wow the amount of paperwork and work and interviews that we had to go through um to being denied to appealing to the state board of education uh but those schools god willing they they open right and it's crazy to see like you're here in Hialeah, and then you travel thousands of miles away, and they're doing the same thing. And you walk into one of these campuses, and and they shake your hand and say, "Hey, are you Mr. Alvarez?" I'm like, "Yeah, Mr. Alvarez." They're like, "Thank you for bringing the school to this community. Our kids needed these schools, right?" So, wow. um, and the schools, by the way, are called Civica, uh, mm-hmm. um, and and that's what we do, right? We educate and empower tomorrow's civic leaders, uh. Our, our home base, right, Cohia, which is City of Hialeah Education Academy, is the founder of the CIVICA network of schools. So wow. you know, as, we, as we continue oh. to move forward, um, we will work um, throughout the country and through our state, especially with a commissioner like Manny Diaz Jr. that, that believes in choice option for parents. And we are looking at, at possibly getting into Broward County, getting into Polk County, and to, and to Tallahassee in the future, and we just got another charter approved for a Civica to open in Ohio, and possibly Columbus or Dayton. So yeah, that, that, that's what I would do. That's what I would do, Gabriel. I, that if I can be guaranteed, is just that flexibility to, to offer choices and options to kids, not only in the state of Florida, but throughout the country.
1: I love that answer, and I think that just goes to show. I mean, we haven't even gotten five minutes into the episode yet, and I already can tell your passion for what you do, based off of that first warm-up question within itself, right? We, I mean, we haven't asked that question, but I can imagine the answers that some of other people might have answered and given, be like, yeah, I'll, I'll guarantee Bitcoin, and I'll guarantee you know real estate, and all these other things to kind of set themselves up um, financially or what have you, but. Again, just going back to what you do and, and the things that you've established, and you know being a product of Hialeah and the school system, that just goes to show your passion for what you do. And I know we, you know, we're gonna get deeper into it now in a second. But as we move on to our second warm up question, um, this one's pretty interesting, and and I'm I'm interested to know what you're gonna say. I, I think I might know your answer, but I'd love to ask. And I that second question is: Would you rather always be slightly late or super early?
0: Uh, I, I would say I'm slightly late. Uh, I would say (laughs) slightly late because, um, I enjoy working later in the afternoon. I think I, I think the bulk of my, of my time and my hours and what I'm doing, um, goes more to the second half of the day. Mm. Um, plus it also gives me the, the ability, especially in the mornings, my, my daughters are, are in middle school right now so it's a blessing to be able to take them to school and just enjoying that time uh with them and the conversations that you have in in a car ride with uh you know a 12 and a 13 year old are are always interesting and fun to see you know where their mindset is but yeah um yeah i'll be i'll I'll take the slightly late not super late just slightly
2: just a little bit
0: just a little little
2: bit bit. (laughs) and i'm sure are they both daughters or um or do you you of both, yes. daughter.
0: both daughters both of them are my daughters yeah two okay. girls they,
2: they probably teach you as much as they uh, as you teach them right
0: Hey, i learn from them <laughs> all the time i learn i learn from them all the time
2: all the time all you the never stop learning
0: we That's never stop learning time. yeah you you hey listen whoever tells you they stop learning has a a, a fixed mindset mm. no, no no long no matter how long i've been doing what i'm doing now yeah. i'm still a a student of learning and yeah. And, you know, it's it's imperative for me to continue to exercise my growth mindset and think outside the box and challenge myself. Like with things that I don't know about, then those are the things that I want to learn. I don't want to be Mm. an expert in one thing. I want to know a little bit about everything. Right. So Mm. I think some of us sometimes with fixed mindsets, we just like honed in on what we do really, really good. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, we don't want to we, we don't want to exercise our, our growth mindset and dabble into something different. But right. I think uh, I think as leaders and as educators and and people in all varieties and walks of life, I, I think it's important to to challenge yourself. Mm-hmm. And and you'll be surprised uh, once you challenge yourself what you can accomplish just by exercising. Right. That growth mindset, you know, getting out of your comfort zone.
2: What Carlos? What's something if you remember that you've done recently, more or less recently, that that has challenged your your growth mindset? Something maybe that you've done that has taken you outside your your comfort zone, like you're saying.
0: I would say, you know what? Learning educational systems in different states um, mm. have been have been challenging, right? Like yeah. I know the state of Florida, right? Yeah. We're graded on ABCDF, right? Right. In Colorado, it's like colors. Like you're an A, really? you're blue. You're wow. you're a B of your green, and oh. then in the state of Nevada with the school we have over there, you're graded on a star rating. So if you're one school a, a one star, you're an F. If you're so, it's like interesting. The irony that where we chose to open all these different schools have three different type of accountability <laughs> systems, right? So it's like one is like right. the color of the rainbow, one is yeah. like one two three four. Here's ABC. So you know. Funny. Uh, That's been a challenge, right? Like where I've had to work with individuals and teach me like, how does Colorado graded students teach me the state of Nevada's accountability system to, because that, that way I can provide support to my schools Yeah, and I'm, and I'm educated. So I think that was something that, that <laughs> I, I, I didn't feel comfortable with at all. And I had to yeah. really challenge myself and take that first step to make sure I got educated on that. So then I could provide the, the proper yeah. support Right. The, the proper, I guess, advice and guidance, mm-hmm. understanding the entire scope of of what we're working towards.
2: That is so interesting. I had no idea that students were graded differently in different states, you know, by colors. And I'm so used to A, B, C, D, E, you know, not E, but F. Right. right? I guess that's what we're used to since we yeah. grew up. So that's interesting. Um, all right, Carlos. So like I mentioned in the beginning, you wear a lot of different hats. You're councilman in Miami Lakes, which, by the way, beautiful town that I've gotten to know a lot more this past summer working with Robert Alonzo. So I've been in Miami lakes a lot beautiful town that you guys have over there. Um, tell me a little bit about your journey. how did you go from, you know, being in high school, normal kid to being where you are now, which I, I believe, and I share this belief in you that you're just getting started, but you've, you've had a lot of success so far. What, what does that journey look like for you?
0: So yeah, after grad, after high school, I, like I said, I ended up in Miami Dade. Uh, I changed my major four times, right. And I wanted to be an architect and then oh. I wanted to be an engineer and then I wanted to get, uh, I wanted to go into business. And then I probably, I, I not, I chose the least paying career, but the one that has okay. impacted my life at the highest level, where is mm. to, to work with children and to serve. And I chose education and I started mm. as a teacher um actually was a a paraprofessional teacher aide here in hialeah uh started off at ben shepherd annex then at ben shepherd elementary then at jose martin middle um and then you know i I got my master's through that process and i interviewed for a charter school called uh matter academy middle high Mm -hmm. which uh used to be an old linen and things uh on 49th street yeah and i became an assistant principal there and, you know, kind of what drove me to make that decision was like when I was teaching, I was like, man, I'm impacting kids, but I'm only impacting, you know, the 25, 30 kids in my class. Right. Mm-hmm. Why? Why can I why can I not position myself to make this the decision to impact masses? Right. The masses mm-hmm. in positive ways. Right. Mm-hmm. To do things that come from the heart. Right. And to do mm-hmm. things that are pure and wholesome for kids. And that's when I chose to go into administration. I became an assistant principal uh, at Matter Academy. And then um, COHIA uh, was going to open in 2008. And uh, I interviewed with the mayor uh, at that time, which was Julio Robaina And uh, uh, I was given the position, right? I was given the position and I've been here 15 years. Uh, we have one of wow. the highest graduation rates in the state of uh, Florida. We graduated, last year we graduated 100%, and the year prior, 99%. I don't think we've ever been lower than 98%, so at least we're getting the kids to graduate from high school wow. with these different pathways and these AP programs and these dual enrollment. You know, we, I, Anthony, we got like about 15% of our kids that graduate with an associate's in arts degree, so like we're also paving the way and making a financial contribution. Wow. Um to families, right? To help, we are we are helping put kids through college, right? Um Amazing. you're going to college while you're in high school, right? So you have that option here too. So, brother, I, I've been doing this for 15 years, and you know what? Like sometimes I want to do things, but sometimes it's when God's ready to open these doors up for me, right? Um, I'm a firm believer in that, right? And and I question that. I'm like, man, but I wanted this now, and I wanted this now. But you know, it's not when I want it, right? It's when God when God wants that pathway for you. So, you know, he has been a high performing school for over a decade, and uh, and three years ago, people started knocking on our doors and saying, "I want one of the, I want this, I want what you're doing here, I want." I want the values that you're teaching here where kids forgot what honor and respect and loyalty and they forgot how to look somebody in the eye and say, good morning, sir. And good morning, ma'am. And I want kids that are not college bound to have a pathway and an option to to still do something good when they walk out into the world. Right. So Colorado and Vegas knocked on our doors and we worked with them throughout the process for two years. Our charter got denied. I was down. I was sad. I was like, oh, maybe we're not good enough to go national. But you know what? um I got back up right uh, you're not measured by how many times you fall you're measured by how many times you got up and I said something to myself Carlos this is for kids man don't let some other governing body telling tell you that you cannot put those kids um you cannot give access to this type of education to those kids in those different communities in those states and you know what we reapplied and uh we we appealed to the state and you know what? Both schools got open. You know, we got over a thousand students on both campuses going into year two. We applied in Ohio. They came knocking too. We got approved by them too. So, you know, now I'm the president of the Civica Foundation, right? So I oversee kind of the professional development of all the three campuses uh, and making sure that they're aligned to like what our foundations are, right? Like that they don't go kind of rogue and you know, defer to do something different that they stay within the boundaries right. of what a cohia, a, right. a civic, a school is. Mm. And so that's that's my role with them. And then, uh, you know, I, I believe in serving. I learned that from my grandfather. He was uh, he was with the, very highly involved with the city of Hialeah um, and with Mandy Yanez. And, uh, and that whole team there and I, I don't know if you've gotten a chance to meet Mandy but you know he does the uh, the entire Hialeah um, what's the name the uh, the kind of like he does all the luncheons. it's a kind of like a yeah. a business uh, a, a business committee of, of the city
2: Okay. Um,
0: and he served as a director the Hialeah Chamber of Commerce there you go for Hialeah for Hialeah. So he served as a director for 30 years. So I saw a lot of the volunteer work that my grandfather did throughout the community. Mm -hmm. And that kind of inspired me to kind of go in the, in the direction that I'm going to talk to you now is that Mm -hmm. I started serving on a, on a board of another charter school network called Pinecrest Mm -hmm. Academy schools. Mm -hmm. And, um, that went really well. And then the board chair stepped down Mm -hmm. and I became the board chair and the president of pinecrest academy inc schools Mm -hmm. which we have six schools six campuses in south florida 10 campuses in central florida five campuses in las vegas one campus in reno and one campus in idaho so we have 24 Mm -hmm. plus we have two more charters that we're opening up in central florida so i kind of govern the board yeah but i'm also the president and making sure that we keep, we put the professional practice in the professional pieces. And then obviously in in my downtime, right. And then I I serve as a, (laughs) as a commissioner, as as a council member for, for Miami lakes. And, and that, that what inspired me. That was, you know, obviously a conversation with mayor Sid we had years ago, Hmm. but really my grandfather, right. My grandfather Hmm. was uh, an instrumental piece in, and really in my life that, that taught me to kind of give back and, and serve. So if anything, I said, let me try this, but I'm going to, I'm going to do it because I think I owe it to you. I So
2: hmm.
0: kind of that what took me in, yeah. in that direction. So.
2: And Carlos, what, what's the secret sauce to Cohia? Like what, if you can put your finger on it, what is it that makes it so successful that people from all over uh, the country soon, probably all over the world are knocking on your door and saying, what the heck are you doing? Cause I mean, there's, there's a plenty of charter schools. There's plenty of private, public. I mean, you name it, it's out there. But, Cohia, it seems like it's getting such a like a grasp the right way that people are loving it. What's the one thing that makes it so different?
0: And I challenge Anthony, you, I, I, Anthony, Gabriel, I want you to come over here one day. I'll just spend maybe an hour. I know you guys have a busy schedule, too. Um, I can tell you, but I, I want you to feel it. Right. And and the secret sauce Love is that. really when you come in here, yeah. what you feel. Right. Mm. I, had, uh, I had a I had a close friend of mine he, last year. He uh, two years ago, I'm sorry. He goes, hey, do you mind, you know, if I. I go around and ask students in one word, describe what this school means to you. I said, yeah, sure. I mean, you have a, get, a visitor's past, you know, you're cleared, go ahead. So he goes and he's gone for like an hour and walking hallways and being escorted to classrooms by t- by security. And he says, comes to me like an hour later, he's like, bro, I'm like, what? He's like, bro, why you tell these kids what to say? I was like, what do you mean what I tell these kids? I'm like running around here, like I'm a principal. You think I'm gonna have time to like <laughs> announce it on the PAA? But when this guy comes by, tell him this. Yeah. <laughs> Right. And I'm like, no, man, I can't. Time he's like, bro, every, he goes to me, every single kid, every single kid that I asked describe the school to you in one word. You know what they said? Family. Right. Wow. So I think that's the, the secret sauce is that, you know, every kid is treated like they're part of the family here. Like we're one big family. Right. Um, yep. And I and and the secret sauce is like you know, the sense of family. But when dad has to scold you and 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 discipline you, you know that it comes from 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 your heart, right? It comes from love. Like it's deeper, it's deeply, it's deeper rooted. I love than, that than just disciplining a kid for making a mistake. It comes out of love because you want the best for the and and about yeah. providing again providing options for every single kid. Not every kid is the same. Not not every kid learns the same, but when you come to Cohia, when you come yeah. to a civic school, every kid is gonna have an option for them yeah. that enrolls through a store. So I w- I would say that's a secret sauce that we treat everybody like their family. Even from like when we have guests that come here, from the the smallest detail, like like I would you come to my school, we would walk you out the door, and I will walk you to your, your to your car, and just say thank you, right? Thank you, hey, thank you, Gabriel, thank you, Anthony, for coming through here appreciate so like even like escorting you out and, and showing gratitude and and you know we pride ourselves in that we pride ourselves and I, I do challenge you guys to to coordinate with us and and come spend like an hour here so you can feel what I, what I'm what I'm telling you
1: yeah no I, I I would love to spend spend the day even if if that'd be all right just to absorb as much but Carlos listen I, I'd like to to tell you that when you were, you know, a few years back when you were teaching and, and in the classroom and you're saying, how can I make a bigger impact beyond 25 children, right? I'd, I'd like to be someone to tell you that you've done that, right? Time and time again through not only, you know, the school that you are right now, but now you're telling us we have schools in Ohio and Vegas and Nevada and all these different places. Those 25 turned into 25,000. Right, And I think that's 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 the mission and that's the idea. And I, I love talking to educators. And I think this is a special conversation here. And I, I want to ask you, all the educators that we've talked to, and we've talked to a few here on the podcast, we always ask them, especially being a teacher in the classroom, you're the one, you're the authority, right? You're the one teaching. You're the, the, the the students are the ones supposed to be learning from you. But everyone I ask, they're always like, and we talked about it a minute ago, a minute ago with your daughters, that every teacher comes to me, they're like, Gabriel, the, the students teach us so much, and by the end of the year, we we feel like we know more and more, and we're affected and impacted more and more by the students themselves. What what has been that for you? I know you're at a, at a higher level. You may not be have that day to day interaction with the children like you used to when you're in the classroom. Um, but what has the the students, especially at Cohia and the, you know the schools that you're at? have what have they impacted you how have they impacted you in your life and how have they been able to drive you to continue building this this empire that you're
0: building i mean they they drive me by challenging me right um and they challenge me in the sense when they come with an idea right an idea i didn't have but how do i make this idea right some of the greatest things that have happened in the world not only at Cohere, but across the world, have come from an idea. You, you, and Anthony might have had an idea. Let's start a podcast, and here you are today, meeting with with leaders mm-hmm. from across the state, even from across the county, even, even maybe, maybe even nationally, right? Like I could be doing this podcast with you, sitting in, in Civica in Vegas, and yeah. having a a, a conversation mm-hmm. with the principal there, and talking about how I do right. So, like this, what you guys are doing now just came from an idea. Our Mass Communication Academy, our engineering program are, were all brought to us by students because you know what we got to do, Gay. Okay, we got to let kids champion their voice. We, we got, sometimes I don't have all the best ideas and some of the most beautiful things that come in, in, in our campus come from the idea of a child, right? The idea of students and and we make sure, right, that we put that idea into fruition, right? Uh, The next idea, next idea that we are working diligently on is our nursing academy and aligning a, a pathway to a CNA exam at the end of senior year where they graduate if they pass with a certified nursing assistant certificate, right? So that was an idea that came from the FIRE program for students that wanted to focus more on the medical track, right? Uh, you know that firefighters, obviously, a lot, of, a lot of their work has to do with like medics more than putting out fires. So that idea came from like a group of students from that cohort that said, Albers, we want to kind of mo- go in this route. Okay, what are you thinking? Well, we think this isn't this, this. Okay, would you mind creating a committee between you guys, some of your leaders, and we meet maybe on a monthly basis to see how we can start putting the pieces together? Um, and I, and I, and when you see that, right, students see that they have a value, right? It's not only like a top down type of leadership. It's a school too that, that is is down, right? That student led, that their student advocacy, that students are representing one another with ideas and thoughts and that their administration and their school is supporting them and trying to make that Mm. idea, right? A reality, right? A reality and, and. And I think that, again, to, to your question, Gabriel, is uh, that's a challenge, right? Like, mm. here's an idea, but now I take it personal and professional. I got I to gotta make this idea a reality. Mm. I don't know how the hell I'm going to do it, <laughs> but I got to make it a reality, right? Because they came with this idea. So how am I going to figure this out? Um, and, and that's sometimes challenging, but I, I love that. I love when we sit here and we sit in my office and, you know, we have cafecito and I stay with these kids and these ideas and, and man, like, I mean, it's amazing. Like last year we did it. Would it be great, Mr. Alvarez, since we've worked with the state of Florida so much, if we can coordinate an internship in Tallahassee. Oh, oh that would be great. <laughs> you know what? And we did that. We did that. We, we worked with senators and representatives and we got the kids into uh a pages program they spent no. a whole week in Tallahassee learning state government working with state officials state representatives state senators mm-hmm. in like an internship for a week when i flew when i flew one of the students over there she i you know we we met after all of us for dinner to talk about how their experience is going and she started crying and telling me mm. Mr. Alvarez thank you and i said why and she's like, because this is the first time I got on a plane after becoming an, an American citizen, a US citizen. I just became a citizen. And and you made this happen for me. Like I got on a flight as a as a US citizen. So like I, I get I hear the story and I get teary because wow. it's about giving kids opportunities, right? And that, that's a secret sauce. It's just man, it's it is relentless, it is grit, it is there is no limits to what you can accomplish. If you don't have the right people around you Hmm. and you are just, like, on the go. And I think that, like, at Cohia, at Civica, there is no status quo. Like, there is no complacency. It's like, it is go. It is grit. It is limitless. There is nothing that we can't do if we don't put our mind to it. And it's driven because it's for kids. If it's good for kids, then we're going to make it happen. I don't have the answer right away, but I'm going to find it.
2: Hmm. Gabe, uh, you ready to go back to high school? Let's... Can we, can we do that? Can we get out of college and go back? I would Jeez. be down.
1: I'm I, down too. Let's, let's make it happen. Abso- I, I think, listen, and I, I'm, you know, all jokes aside, I think what you're doing, not to, you know, not to repeat myself, but creating that opportunity and what you said and, and letting these children voice, you know, be the champion of their own voice and, and pave oh, their right. way and present those opportunities to them are things that Anthony and I wish we had, you know, thankfully, you know, we had mentors and amazing parents you know, that were able to, to, to guide us in, in certain directions. But a lot of our friends that we went to school with, they were just a number. They were just another statistic, right? And from what you're telling us, I know every student in that school counts and it's because you count them and it's because they count, right? And I think it's so important um, what you're doing. And, you know, to, to wrap things up here, you know, again, being an educator, where where do you see, you know, the education education system going right especially with covid and you know the last few years that we've had in terms of virtual school virtual learning what's 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 the difference how how is the education you know program the industry how is it going to start to progress going into the future and how are you and Cohia going to also continue to innovate going forward
0: you know and it goes back uh gabe to to my point is that not all kids learn the same right uh, all kids have different abilities to learn. So one thing that we've learned from the pandemic is there there, there was regression, uh, specifically nat- nationally in mathematics, right? It, it's so hard to learn mathematics like over a screen, right? Like when you have to like you have a teacher hovering over you and showing you how to solve a two-step equation, et cetera. Yeah. So uh, we saw instrumental growth um, from the pandemic year uh to last year's scores and i think the way that education is going is uh one we gotta make it a priority to continue to teach the fundamentals right the academia right the language arts the arithmetic the social studies the science you know kind of you know, make sure that we deviate from some of these ideologies and this kind of woke stuff that they want us to instill in schools, right? Our, our places to educate students on content areas, on pathways. Uh, I think those are the things that sometimes they're, that they're trying to to kind of implement in school. I think that's not the role of, of schools, right? That's the role of parents. And those are the, they're the ones that should have that autonomy of making those decisions. I think education too, uh, to help with the learning gap, we have to work on small class, uh, small class size. I think we have to invest on interventionists, right? Interventionists are like folks that would go into classrooms and pull out a small group of students and have it more like individualized, like more custom education to the needs of those children. I think we've invested here a lot of money on bringing in interventionists to work on small group instruction uh, as well. And I think it's important, too, in, in schools to, like, teach, you know, basic values, right? Like, like teach values, uh, like, the values of, like, America, like, how you know, how, for how the kid to, to talk, how for them to carry themselves, you know? I think we've kind of gone away from that, like, focus on character education, too, right? The, the character piece and, and those pillars of character. Um, it's stuff that we do here. Uh, as, as a country, I think collectively, we probably don't. But I think it's one of those things that are unique to Cohia and Civica schools that's drawing attention, right? It's not, it's about really like preparing the whole child, right? And what does the whole mm-hmm. child do? It's the academics, it's the value, it's the character formation. I, I think in our place in education, we have to do everything possible, everything possible to make sure that when a child walks out of our doors and earns mm-hmm. a high school diploma, an industry certification, an associate's degree, or even has, you know, 15, 30 credits in their transcripts when they're graduating, is that we prepare every child to be out there in, in the world, right? Yeah. To become a better person in society mm-hmm. um, and how to carry themselves. Because, you know, as you guys know, I mean, the world's not easy, right? You graduate mm-hmm. from high school. My story, I was completely lost. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's the way that education um, should go in, right? Is working on small group instruction to catch up those students that, that, that uh, are recovering from the learning loss and really to work together and putting like initiatives and building the whole child and, uh, and give, you know, Mm. and I'm, I'm a big proponent. It's like every school should offer something for every kid, every kid and not every kid learns the same way. And that's what, that's what Cohia and Civica has been able to do and accomplish. And, and moving forward, that that's what we want to continue doing and, and stay consistent and true to that.
2: Yeah, I love it. I love how you're what you're doing there, Carlos, is, is building the the whole student, not just uh, the math, the science, the history. That, that's important, but you're learning them how to look in people's eyes, how to give a good handshake. Like those are the things that might even go a little bit farther than many times education, right? Uh, like if you're going into business with someone, you want to feel comfortable that that person, you know, gives good energy and is kind to you, knows how to have a conversation with you. Which kind of goes to my next question. I know you've seen a lot of great things from your students, but maybe you've seen a few mistakes. And the question is, what mistakes do you think young adults, even college students, which are the primary listeners of this podcast, are making too often? Like, what are you catching that man like this generation really they're not doing that good in in this specific area that if they fix that sky's the limit, what would that be?
0: I think, I think, so a couple of things I need, I think some students are struggling with, you know, anxiety, you know, social and emotional stuff, especially during the pandemic. Like, think about all these kids that stayed at home and what was the learning environment like at home, right? What was the environment period at home, right? I can control what's happening in here when they're with me for eight hours, but I can't control what's happening at home for eight hours when they're logging on to their education and having so you don't know the dynamics and obviously we've seen after the pandemic's the impact of that like uh increases increase in anxiety levels uh increase in depression um you know how do we mitigate that right that, that how do we deal with with what we're seeing and how do we try to mitigate it and kind of i think you're seeing also even in anxiety you're seeing a dependency on like vaping from students right like that's a it's not a drug, but obviously it's kind of like almost like a cigarette, but it's like a way out to like deal with their anxiety. So those are are kind of like, I think that's a poor decision that they're making. I think there's other ways definitely to cope with anxiety and depression. Um, I think as well is, you know, the poor decisions they're making is that, you know, they're getting back into this routine of education that, Again, not every kid's the same, right? So some kids were able to accomplish it last year, and some kids still were not, right? So they got to go back at it, and they're making poor decisions. Because why? Why are they, some of these kids that are making poor decisions? Why are they making them? Maybe because maybe they were home a whole year by themselves, and they didn't have someone, they didn't have structure in their life, right? They had this inter, this independence, right? So them coming back, and you know, at Cohio, and you walk in here, as you tucking your shirt, and you say good morning, sir, and good morning, ma'am, right? you know, you're coming into, that's the product that's coming in here. So, you know, I think there's some students have really struggled with kind of just getting back into the the routine, but obviously those kids that are struggling to me, in my opinion has been because of the lack of structure they, they had at, at, at home. Right. So, um, that's definitely an impact, but we are, we are working diligently on trying to mitigate that and, and, and hopefully, We'll see, you know, better outcomes of decision making this school year.
1: Yeah, I think I think anxiety and depression and overall mental health has definitely been something that has been sped up due to covid. Um, And I'm a huge advocate for mental health. My girlfriend's a therapist. I want to ask you in you know what what do you think in your opinion right and you guys may be doing things you know to help mitigate like you mentioned but what what is the solution to something like this i know you and Kohia, you guys aren't at home with those children you know there's there comes you know a point where you have to let the parents do their job but what do you think is the solution to a problem at least in school that could help you know i think you guys are already doing it but what what do you think can be done further to help some of these kids, you know, become leaders of tomorrow that they're becoming?
0: I mean, to help mitigate with that, uh, I think schools have to establish uh, strong partnerships with uh, outside agencies to be able to come into our campuses and provide the support that kids need. Um, You know, we, we have, you know, we have grants that we, you know, we, for example, we got $37,000 to address mental health. And what do we do? We, we, we use the money to hire another counselor. Right. And still with that, the, the kind of the bandwidth of, of cases that you're dealing with, it, it, it's, it's a lot. Right. So I think schools identifying partners um, and social workers to come into campus because here's the thing, Gabriel, right? Like what I've noticed is that sometimes like the parent, will not take the child to receive the services right and the bad thing about being controlling like i am is like well if i give it to the parent and mm. they're not gonna go then we're not servicing these kids right then i take like this kind of ownership level i'm like well you know what if we can't count on these parents that we bring the service to to them mm. here while they're in there the minute they walk in our doors right it's yeah. that it's again it's a uh, people are like oh yeah i told the parent I gave them the address. They never showed up. But so they're like, all right, what? Are, I told them. I'm like, no, that's still yeah. not enough. The kids got an issue. Right. All right, the parent's not going to go. Then you know what? We're going to bring the service to the school. Mm-hmm. And we're yep. going to get them when they're here in our in our brick and mortar and within our walls. And we'll provide them the service that they need because these kids need it, right? So we've been able to do that with like Concept Health and other social uh, working agencies that we work with as well. Mm. I mean, even... teaching about you know safe sex and you know students being promiscuous and you know kind of putting that scene and uh, the impacts of drugs and uh, we partner with Mm -hmm. the city of Haiti police department they do like a whole you know you know tobacco and drug uh workshop for our kids so seeing a lot of that stuff in our schools i think will help level off the playing field and kind Mm -hmm. of get us back to just kind of like what the normal kind of issues that we would deal with and kind of Help mitigate what what we've been seeing.
2: Yeah. Now, Carlos, last question for you, and the question that everybody wants to know. They they told me I couldn't let you off the hook without asking you this question, and this is a hard one. But here we go. Which is the better city or town, Hialeah or Miami Lakes? Now, you're a councilman for Miami Lakes. You were born and raised in Hialeah. Kind of torn down the middle. Everybody wants to know which is the better city.
0: Oh man. <laughs> put you on the spot there uh, no man listen i i honestly i cannot pick you know i i i owe everything everything that i've become to hialeah yeah. you know being a product of that community living there you mm-hmm. know almost until i was 28 years old uh being a park rat at Goodlit yeah. park dropping off my book bag from school and running to Goodlit, playing basketball mm-hmm. uh so I owe a lot of, of, really, like, I see, like, the working class in me, like, the kind of the grit, like, the hustle in me,
2: right. I owe it
0: to Aaliyah, right? Yeah. And, you know, I just wanted, you know, I wanted to establish myself in a kind of smaller community
1: mm. when
0: I got older um, that had more of a sense of a, of a town. And then that kind of propelled me um, to to go to Miami Lakes. But you never forget where you came from. So that's why I love Miami lakes and I love Hialeah, but never forget where you came from and, and be blessed to, to know where you are, right? Like be thankful where you are. So I love both communities.
2: All right. All right. We'll let you go with that. (laughs) But boom, there we go. Carlos Alvarez. Thank you so much for joining us.
0: All right. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Gabriel. Thank you, Anthony. Appreciate it. Please.
1: What is up, Mindset fam? And thank you so much for tuning into today's episode of the Mindset Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave us a rating and review. Share this with your friends and family and anyone else that you think would receive any value out of it. And without further ado, Mindset out.